This is the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. As always, getting you guys ready for the Seahawks' upcoming game. This one, the season finale against the Arizona Cardinals. A game on the road, plenty to talk about, although it probably is good that we acknowledge now that it's the final huddle. And guys, I'm really going to miss it because we always have fun, and we have plenty of fun in store for you still today. We're going to try to make it a great two hours, a great final two hours here. Kerry Hyder Jr., he's going to join us at 1230. Carlos Dunlap joining us at 1240. In hour two, starting at one, we've got back-to-back-to-back guests, including two of our faves, Ray Roberts and the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Before we look ahead, you guys, let's look back at Detroit, where the Seahawks, in their home finale, got a win. Dave, I'll start with you. The most obvious question heading out of this one, what can you take from a win over a two-win team? <laughs> well, I, I, look, it's different for the players. I talked to We talked to Ryan Neal on our show And I asked him, I go, is it the same that you're not looking at stats? You're not looking at record. You're just looking at the guys that you see on film. And what you see on film is a bunch of guys that are ballers. These are these are professional football players. So, yeah, I mean, you go back and look at, okay, they whooped up on Houston and Detroit. But those are teams that are not playing well together. But I don't think you just entirely you don't at all discount the win and the things that were that were done and accomplished in that game. I mean, you know, look, you, you kind of did to Detroit certainly what you should do to a team like that. They didn't get that done with with the Bears. And that's a testament to the fact that, you know, you've got a bunch of really good players. They're not the best. They don't have a franchise quarterback. You know, they don't have uh, lots of things that, you know, the, the winning teams and teams that are headed to the playoffs. But still, it's an incredible challenge each and every week. So, you know, I thought the fact that they put 50 on Detroit you know, was, was, was very cool. I thought the offensive line played really well. And I'm talking about Ethan Posick, Phil Haynes, and Jake Kern, you know? And so that those three guys I thought played really well. Penny just, you know, ran the heck out of the ball. So yeah, I, I don't discount it at all. I always think, Hey, that's a professional football team. It really is. The old, any given Sunday Mm -hmm. is absolutely true. I would I would totally agree with that and and when you're when you're talking about you know the opportunity here for the Seahawks they have an opportunity to play spoiler and unfortunately that's that's what they're playing for right now they're playing for opportunities to uh, you know raise their hand up individually and say I can be a part of the solution I can be a guy that can absolutely be a part of the turnaround that happens in 2022 and that is going to be an important aspect for a lot of these players that are playing out there on Sunday and the other part of it Dave uh, you know Stacy and I talked about it earlier today but um, uh, I, I believe there's another aspect of where you want to see them play good football against a really good quality opponent, which is the Arizona Cardinals, which is a playoff team. And that gives you a better feeling as you enter into the 2022 season. It doesn't make 2021 a success by any means. It doesn't wipe away a lot of the negative feelings that happen uh, or happened through, through the season, but you want to see this run game continue to uh, be a factor. You want to see Russell Wilson look more like himself. You want to see the defense uh, be able to do something they didn't do the first time around. Um, and that is be able to stop this Arizona Cardinals offense or at least limit it better than what they did the first time. You know, that interview we had with Ryan Neal, he said something. I th- he, put, he put a couple of things really well. One of them was, hey, it's a car crash game. So I was like, yeah, hey, never heard anybody put it that way. I like that. But the other thing he said, you know, going into this kind of game, you're playing for your name. 
You know, and I always, I never really thought about that. Like whenever I thought about playing for pride or going out and showing the rest of the NFL, my peers, coaches, that I am going to play, especially play hard in a game where there's nothing on the line. There's really nothing in it for me other than my own personal pride. I used to think about my jersey. You know, my, my name's on the back, my number, and, you know, everybody around the NFL is going to see that. And especially if you play hard in a game like this one, that really you're just in there to play the spoiler. It doesn't really mean much for, for the team at all. Yeah, I loved the way that Ryan Neal, he's also just a great interview. We had him on a couple times on the huddle. He was on with you guys. He's, he's always fantastic. Now, uh, I want to look at just the run game. Rashad Penny, 170 versus Detroit. Most of any running back against Detroit, most of any Seahawks running back since 2016. Coincidentally, Thomas Rawls also against the Lions. He has 130-plus rushing yards in three of his last four. This week, though, he's going against a defense. They aren't stellar against the run, but they're solid against the run. They ranked 11th versus the run. They held the Dallas Cowboys to 45 net yards. Not 45 from Zeke Elliott, 45 net yards. That means 16 from Elliott, 20 from Prescott, and then a few more sprinkled in there. Uh, Jake, I'll start with you for this one. Uh, What do you need to see from Penny? What's the challenge going to be against Arizona? Well, the challenge against Arizona is is that Arizona is a good football team. They're a good defense, and they're not going to uh, give this uh, offense and offensive line huge holes throughout the game. Right? You look at the Detroit Lions game. You look at the Chicago Bears game. The offensive line did an amazing job in those games creating holes. And I'm not saying wide open, gaping holes, but enough daylight for Rashad Penny to confidently hit the hole and then make something happen after that. It's going to be a little bit more muddy in this game. And can Rashad Penny uh, consistently be able to, um, you know, take those uh, difficult yards, be able to turn them into positive gains. And then eventually when you do get those opportunities, make the most of it. Um, That is something that I will be watching. But the Arizona Cardinals defense They've got playmakers, Chandler Jones, Buda Baker, uh, Isaiah Simmons. They've got guys that are going to be disruptive. And can the Seahawks uh, overcome that and not let it totally get them out of rhythm? When they have a negative play, is that the end of a drive? Or can they overcome that? And that, to me, is something that uh, you have to be able to do against a good football team like that. Two things. Uh, we talked to Paul Calvisi, the, the sideline reporter for Arizona. First of all, uh, Chandler Jones has had 16 and a half sacks against the Seahawks in 11 games, including mm-hmm. one in Super Bowl 49 when he played with the Patriots. Um, the other guy, Marcus Golden, who has 11 sacks, he is two sacks away from getting a million dollar bonus. So how would you like to be uh, undrafted free agent uh, Jake Kern, rookie, and you're standing between a him guy and a million and dollars. a pile of money. <laughs> I mean, Bob and I were talking about it. I can only picture like the guy from Monopoly, with the bag with the big dollar sign on it. You know, so yeah, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. Um, you started out with Rashad Penny. I think, I think in my mind, I figured out what was said between him and Adrian Peterson, and I think Adrian Peterson told him, stop listening to your body. Dwayne Brown said this a, a couple of years ago to us. He goes, I, I don't want my body telling my head how old I am. I'm just, I'm shutting that off. And that's, that's could be very well be what was said because, you know, Adrian Peterson has been real close to, you know, and here's a guy that just, remember he hurt his, he blew his ACL out mm-hmm. like in December, late December. He was 
back playing and I think he he ran for like over 1500 yards the next year so I mean I think if you get the the right message to players and it seems like that's what's going on with Penny because you mentioned it Jake there weren't huge holes that 37 yard run I think that was his longest run if you look at it from the sidelines you can't see any space there I mean it was two guys who had their if you had the end zone shot which is hard to get these days because NFL rewind sucks (laughs) But um, it does. But yeah, put them on notice, Dave. Yeah, I've already sent them an email. Not that they care what I think. But, uh, you know, if you look from the end zone, it's probably a little bigger. But still, I mean, he was finding those those holes. But I think it's more about that. Like, you know, remember the time I can't remember the game where he has the first run. He rips off like a 20 yard run. And then all of a sudden he's out of the game. You know, yes. I feel like that might be what Adrian Peterson and, you know, him and guys like Frank Gore. You know, those are the, I'm sure they're saying, hey, man, you got to ignore all the little things, whether it's cramps or a a tweak here in this muscle or whatever, and and get out there and just, you know, whatever he said to him clicked. And uh, I I think that that might be, because I thought it was pretty far-fetched that in his, what, fourth year, you're going to have somebody say something that makes him play better. But that might have been it. It might have been something that he hadn't heard before. I was wondering kind of the same thing. And Pete Carroll was asked, hey, what do you think about Adrian Peterson as a coach? He said, I think he'd make an absolutely brilliant coach. So there has you were thinking, well, there must be something. But you're telling me that that Rashad Penny has never had anyone just say something to him before that suddenly made him not just a good running back, NFC player of offensive player of the month. I right. mean, well, th- what he's doing, you can't just say, oh, it's against the the Lions. I mean, he's done it now for three out of four weeks. Yeah, you, you see his talent just shine through. I mean, that is what is obvious. Now, you can doubt whether he can do it over the course of a you know 17-week season. You can doubt, uh, you know, is he a physical runner that, that can um, get the hard yards? But this guy is showing you the talent and what he is truly capable of being when healthy. Now, in regards to Adrian Peterson, sometimes you need a new perspective. And I believe that with Adrian Peterson and all of the, you know, I guess all of the pelts that he has on his wall and the the a tremendous career that he has had and someone that I'm sure Rashad yeah. Penny has looked up to his entire childhood of, man, Adrian Peterson, what makes this guy special? And you see his work ethic, you see his mentality. You do try to adopt some of that. You do try to pick up on things from other guys, and at least that's what good players, good football players do. And to get that different perspective, to get that different outlook may have been the thing that he needed the most in this current situation to really you know, sift through all the bad and get to focusing on the good and what he's capable of doing. We looked at last week. We've looked ahead a bit to the Cardinals, but let's spend some more time doing that for this season finale. We'll start with a health check. Who's in? Who's out this week? And what's the latest injury update with the name everyone's watching? Bobby Wagner. That's next on The Huddle. All right. Now let's check up first with some injury updates for the Seahawks, but also with a little bit of a preview with John Boyle, reporter for Seahawks.com. John, how's it going? How are you guys? Uh, we're well. I mean, the first question I had was uh, was probably the the most obvious, which is just the latest on Bobby Wagner. Yeah, I mean, we he sounds like he wants to at least give it a try. We'll see how realistic that is. I mean, obviously we've we've heard from both him and Pete Carroll that it's not a serious injury. You know, it's not like some surgery type serious knee thing. But even if uh, even if it's minor, can he be back in a week? I don't know about that. We'll so, see. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, well, and it's a big – I was thinking it would be kind of nice for him to, to get the start. He's been incredibly durable, John. I mean, I think I have – he's missed nine games or something like that. I mean, it's just – it's unbelievable. And, you know, I you – know, there's all this speculation about, you know, whether this is Bobby's last year or not. He sounded positive. He sounded kind of, you know, eh, I'm not sure. And, you know, it's – I don't know. I'm starting to look – get a glimpse of I don't want Seahawk football to go on without Bobby Wagner. I mean, it just seems like it's, it's not right. Yeah. It's, I mean, the guy's just been such a mainstay for a decade. He acknowledged it himself the other day that look, there's business decisions get made. Not a lot is guaranteed in this league. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but he, he sounded hopeful he's back and yeah, you're right. It would just be so odd seeing Seahawks football without Bobby Wagner. So Hopefully it works out that he's back here. I, I would, you know, both for football and just the entire, you know, community. He's been such a great person here. It'd be be really tough to lose him. It would be, John. And but it, it is unique in, in the sense that you have a great player like this. It's uncertain what his future is. You know what his contract looks like. And from a normal football perspective financially, you know that that's a contract that most teams are not going to uh, w- want to keep on, right? They're going to do something to it, either move on from the player or try to work something out. And very rarely do you have this weird reaction where you're in between where even the player recognizes the possibilities yet is unsure. So how kind of awkward is that to to have that discussion and be in that press conference with Bobby Wagner when the future is so uncertain? It is a little awkward, and I think it's probably a little more awkward for him because he's his own agent. So mm-hmm. If the right. Seahawks want to do something like that, it's going to be coming directly to him. And it was funny. He, he alluded to being a good businessman, which Bob Condota interpreted, I think, like a lot of us. He said, so does that mean you're considering renegotiating his deal? And I think we then heard quickly from Bobby Wagner, the agent, who's saying, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. So, <laughs> you know, again, that's all stuff for them to sort out in the off season. Hopefully one way or another works out because, you know, as Dave was saying, it's hard to imagine Seahawks football without him. But, it, I mean, these every year these come up and they're always a little awkward. You, you hate to – people hate to ask it, but it kind of needs to be asked and the players all understand the business. So it's just – it's weird all around. Now some breaking news here from you, John. The Seahawks have placed safety Ryan Neal on the COVID-19 list uh, and activated Damian Lewis and uh, Sidney Jones. Geez. So you get two back, you lose one. It's horrible news for Ryan Neal, himself playing for a contract, but he's played so well in relief uh, of Jamal Adams this year. It's it's hard not to think he's already made a pretty good case for his return. Good news, though, getting certainly Damian Lewis and Sidney Jones back. Uh, how's that? I'll start with the offensive line, and, and we can you know keep asking a couple different questions. But the offensive line, they have a couple offensive linemen dealing with illness. A couple guys mispractice. I am nervous about this group heading into this game. I do want to hear from Pete Carroll tomorrow about what the heck's going on there. It was like five linemen all listed with illness. And when they're not on the COVID list, we know it's not – you know, COVID-related stuff, so that's good. But, yeah, it's, that's a lot of dudes all at once. You know, you hope it's just something quick and minor, and I think everyone in this time of COVID is erring on the side of caution, so you hope it's just some little bug, and we'll see a bunch of guys back this week. But, yeah, if if, if any of them are not able to go, that's going to be tough, and you that's where it's good to obviously get Damian Lewis back, hopefully because he's been isolated with COVID. He hasn't been exposed to whatever other bug is going around. Hey, what what has Pete said, and and how happy are they? I know John Schneider's happy with with Jake Curran, uh, a guy who, and I think the story on him was Boyle, if memory serves, that there was some medical thing that wasn't really a thing, and so he got kind of discounted at the time of the draft. But he's a undrafted rookie free agent who's starting at right tackle, and he's looked pretty good. 
he has looked really good. I I think, you know, in terms of when we've seen them running the ball really well, he's got that big physical tough presence you like out of a right tackle. Um, you know, I think he's maybe got a little catching up to do to to a Brandon Shell type tackle when it comes to pass protection. But yeah. they re- I mean, for an undrafted guy to come in and start as many games as he has and looked really solid. I mean, I think it gives you you know, we heard Pete Carroll say They'd love to have Brandon Shell back if they can make that work out, but it does give you a really solid option of, you know, look, do we need to go out and sign a veteran or do we just roll with the rookie out there? So, yeah, he's been a real bright spot. You know, when you only have three draft picks, you hope to hit on some of those undrafted guys, and it sure looks like they found a good one in Jake Curran. John, what is the answer uh, to replace Ryan Neal? I mean, is it? I mean, Ugo Amadi <laughs> has tremendous question. amount of flexibility. He could play safety, but then you're trying to figure out what you do with the nickel spot. I mean, this puts you in a pretty tough spot here defensively. Yeah, it does. I, you know, I, I just I kind of highlighted a little bit of that in the article. The the only other safety, at least listed as a safety, they have is Josh Jones on their practice squad. He has a lot of starting experience, so. He's a guy that, you know, even though he's new to the Seahawks, he started 13 games last year for the Jaguars. He could be an option there. I know they list Nigel Warrior as a cornerback, but he played a lot of safety in uh, college, and they've they've worked him, you know, especially since they lost uh, Jamal Adams. They've kind of thought of Ryan Neal as a guy who could be sort of that hybrid, do multiple spots. So my hunch would be one of those two, because as you said, if you move Ugo, First of all, you have two kind of free safeties out there, and you don't have the bigger physical presence of strong safety. And secondly, now, okay, who's your nickel? Are you going to move? You know, John Reed was on the the injury report with a concussion yesterday, so we don't know about him. So does that mean you move DJ Reed inside and go with two different guys outside? You know, I don't know how you make that work if you got to move Ugo out of that spot. So I have a, I would guess it's one of those two warrior Jones, but we'll have to see what they do with it. This is exactly why you guys all need to be following John Boyle on Twitter, by the way, which is how I saw this story during an interview with John Boyle at John P. Boyle. I was trying to get that out. I was like, literally like, I got to get this done before the huddle so that I can have it out. And I, yeah, right. it, was, it was a race against time. I know it's 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 bad news for Ryan Neal. I would imagine, uh, just like I'm you guys, sitting he's, there saying, he's done "Watch enough the to chaos I'm about to create." I know. In three, and two, send. one. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, uh, John. Looking ahead, uh, just to what you see with the Cardinals, uh, what we we're going to be talking about it all day with a bunch of different people. But uh, any unique advantages there for, uh, in particular, the Seahawks' offense to take advantage of? You know, I, it's hard to say because that defense does a lot of things well, and we you know we've talked about the pass rushers they have who are so good. The, the Cardinals certainly don't have a bad run defense, but when you look at the numbers, they you know. They haven't been one of the dominant run defenses in the NFL. So I would think as well as the Seahawks have run the ball the last few weeks and as well as the shot Penny is playing, that's an area you would see them, you know, go into the game hoping to and expecting to find some success. But I have a hard time really looking at any levels of that Arizona defense. Like, oh, there's a weakness you can exploit. It's just they're good. Yeah, yeah they really are. Hey, um, Cody Barton, as far as uh, Pete in the press conference the other day said, you know, I, I was pretty impressed because, man, it's been, you know, I've been saying Cody has been kind of rotting on the vine. I mean, he, he just but his being prepared to go out there after Bobby, you know, I, I, I kind of it's it's sort of like a backup quarterback. You know, backup quarterbacks have to game plan and know everything and they don't get a chance to, you know, if you're, especially if you're behind a guy like Russell and all of a sudden, you know, they spring it on Cody Barton. I thought he did a pretty good job and Pete was praising him about uh, his uh, attacking the line of scrimmage and attacking blockers. 
Yeah, he, he looked really good. And I mean, you would know this better than I would, Dave, but that position is, it's not just going and play. It's you're making calls, you're getting other guys lined up. So there's, there's a lot to that position. And, you know, he started a couple games here and there, but never a middle linebacker because, as you were saying earlier, Bobby Wagner never leaves the field. So right. he came in. I mean, that's kind of his most natural position as middle linebacker. And he looked really good and very comfortable. And the defense as a whole, you know, seemed to operate just fine with him. It wasn't like all of a sudden guys were lost and not communicating. So obviously you would love to see Bobby Wagner get back this week. But if he can't, that's a really great opportunity for Cody Barton to go out and kind of keep putting his resume out there because, as you said, he's just – He's had a hard time getting on the field with the linebackers ahead of him, and he's always been this great special teams player. But it'd be cool for him to get a little more, some more reps if possible. He is John Boyle, reporter for the Seahawks. You can read his work at Seahawks.com and hear him during the season on the huddle on Thursdays, except uh, this is our last one. So, John, it's always a pleasure oh, to talk to you. Man. We will miss you. And here's to talking to you, you next year. Can you me back just for, you know, to reminisce from um, time in the offseason? Absolutely. Yeah. But we'll reminisce about me? your conversations with us on the huddle. No, no, nothing to do with the Seahawks. Right. <laughs> Bye, John. <laughs> All right, you're listening to The Huddle if you're just now joining us. That news breaking from the Seahawks. The Seahawks have placed safety Ryan Neal on the COVID-19 list. I'll talk to you guys about what that might mean for the defensive backs a bit later. They've also activated, this is the good news, guard Damian Lewis and cornerback Sidney Jones. Coming up next, back-to-back interviews. We'll start with Kerry Hyder Jr. and then get to Carlos Dunlap. This is The Huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. We're waiting on Seahawks practice to end. Going to talk to Carrie Hyder, and then we'll talk to Carlos Dunlap. Excited for both of those interviews. Before we get to them, though, uh, you guys, Dave, I'll start with you. Seahawks have placed safety Ryan Neal on the COVID list. He was playing in place of Jamal Adams. How does that shuffle up the defensive back group, presumably uh, the starters for this weekend? Light on safeties. Right. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. I, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Maybe they can move Sidney Jones in. You know, I mean, he's a very physical corner, but or, you know, they're going to, you know, maybe uh, activate uh, the kid off the practice squad. Is it Josh Johnson? Yes. I, that's Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's really tough. And especially going against this team. I'm looking at Arizona. They're a, they're top 10 in almost everything. And number four in turnover ratio. You look at, you know, uh, we again, we talked to their, their sideline reporter, and he was saying how that Detroit loss was really a wake-up call. You know, they lost to Carolina. I mean, if it, that was here in Seattle, we'd be going, hey, at least it happened in the regular season. We got the wake-up call, not in the playoffs. So I, I think they're ready. That was a really good win against Dallas. Um, yeah, this is going to be a tough team. It's not a, a team you want to go into being light in your defensive backfield. No, absolutely mm-hmm. not. And uh, we're going to be joined here in just one second. Here he is, Kerry uh, Hyder Jr., joining us right now. Kerry, how's it going? It's going great. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're fantastic. We're, in fact, previewing uh, what's in store for you guys heading into the season finale against Arizona. What do you see from this Arizona offense? Uh, explosive. You know, they, they're, they're a really good team. They have players at every level. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a nice game to, uh, to end on with a with a with a good performance by us. You know, we want to end the season strong. And we just want to we just want to leave with some momentum at the end of the season. Hey, Kerry, uh, I, th- I think we all know <laughs> how how difficult it is. But for a defensive lineman, talk about defending a guy like Kyler Murray. I mean, I always say he's like an extra meeting guy, right? Because he he can run. He's pretty. He's really accurate too. To, what are the what are the biggest challenges with Kyler Murray? 
Uh, no question. He, he's obviously uh, an amazing athlete, but it takes the whole team. You know, it's not just – not only just the D-line, but the guys on the back end. It's going to take a group effort just to, you know, slow that guy down and, and try to corral him when he tries to take off with his legs. You know, um, he's a guy that kind of gets better when he gets out of the pocket and he makes plays and stuff like that. So we just – as a defense, we're trying to limit the plays he's going to make and, you know, do our, do our part to try to keep him bottled up. Now, Kerry, you know, what did the, the other aspect of the Arizona Cardinals and what they changed, you know, Kyler Murray's certainly there, but they, they've had a pretty solid running game to go along with, uh, you know, the, the normal passing attack led by Kyler Murray. Um, you know, Chase Edmonds, James Conner, what do you see from, from those two guys, those two backs that make it uh, – difficult to defend well they complement each other really well you know uh james is a bigger guy and uh and chase comes in a really fast guy and change the change of speed so um they're, they're playing really well this season and uh as a defense we don't want to give them everything we don't want them to be able to run the ball and throw the ball you know we want to try to make them one dimensional if we can and try to um have a good showing you know those guys are good but i feel like on defense we can we can slow them down. You guys have excelled with slowing down opposing offenses in the red zone, limiting scoring. You've been one of the top teams in the league. How does your mindset personally change when you get inside the 20? Uh, we just, we don't want to let people get in our end zone. You know, um, we want to, when they get down there, we know points is how you win games. You know, if we can limit, limit their opportunities and limit their points. We can, uh, we have a chance or opportunity to be in the game. So when guy when teams get down there, we just try to buckle up and try to and try to focus on uh, the task at hand and try to keep them out of the end zone. Hey, Kerry, uh, we talked to Ryan Neal yesterday, and he, you know he was saying how hey, this is one of those games where you're playing for. You guys obviously are not playing for you know, uh, a winning record or, or a playoff, but, you know, just the motivation for guys and, you know, for you personally going into a game like this and yeah, it doesn't mean anything on the scoreboard, but it means a lot to your pride and, and things like that. Speak, speak to that a little bit about how, how you feel going into this game. Well, we don't, we don't take it for granted. You know, being in the NFL is not like something that's guaranteed, you know, so whenever you have the opportunity to put your pads on and be on the field, you want, you want to be a professional. You want to have a good showing. You know, um, as football players, all we have is our tape. You know, that's our resume. So we never want to put bad tape out there no matter the situation. So we we have a lot to play for. I know we're not going into the playoffs, but as a team and as individuals, we have a lot of pride, and we also have a lot of professionalism throughout our building. So we always want to go out there and give it our all. Kerry, what has the adjustment been like throughout the year is, is – you know, defensively, you guys have worked through your scheme uh, from a defensive line perspective, from a defensive front, and and how much of a challenge uh, or unique opportunity that has been to try and figure out how to best you know play within those changes along the defensive line. You know, moving from a, a traditional four down structure to you know maybe going with you know bigger body packages at different times. Uh, you guys do a lot from a defensive front perspective. Well, just being able to adjust and. Uh... You got to be able to adjust, and you got to be coachable. You know, uh, they're going to try to put guys in the best position to succeed, and uh, they're going to try to get guys in situations where they can help the team. So you just got to be a team player, and you got to be able to uh, adjust on the fly. You know, uh, whatever we're doing is for the betterment of the team. So you just try to do your part and do whatever you can to help out. 
Hey, uh, Carrie, congratulations is in order. You and your wife welcomed your second child, a baby girl, uh, in December. So congratulations from us. But also, uh, your wife tweeted that you delivered the baby. What's the story behind this? Yeah, so we uh, we had a home birth, so we did everything at home. Uh, we had a doula and a midwife present, yeah. but uh, I, w- I was the one kind of, I-, I caught, you know. I, <laughs> you were the receiver. <laughs> yeah, I was the one that was helping her through the process, and I ended up catching the baby, and I announced it was a girl, and that Aww. was me. <laughs> How's it feel with baby number two now? Oh, it's amazing. I'm a girl dad, you know. I'm officially, I had one daughter, but now I'm officially a girl dad. I got Love two it. girls, so. Well, I'm excited, what, you know. Carrie, where does that rank, like, as far as nerves, you know, going into, like, a game versus delivering <laughs> Versus baby, delivering your dog. got to be similar. Man, I've never been that nervous in my life. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I know some people don't like hospitals, but you like the, the comfort of being, like, in the hospital with doctors and that kind of thing. Yeah. So just, I had to just remember that we've been delivering babies since the beginning of time, you know. Yep. So I just had to, just had to go in with an open mindset. And honestly, man, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm so happy I was able to experience that with my family at home. Well, it worked awesome. out. Sounds like everyone is happy and healthy. And, and congratulations from us. Yeah. And good luck this Sunday. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Gary. Right, he is Carrie Hyder Jr. We're going to come right back with an interview with Carlos Dunlap. This is The Huddle. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We just spoke with Carrie Hyder Jr., waiting on Carlos Dunlap. Uh, and then we've got some uh, some fun kind of expert conversation to get to in hour two. While we're waiting on Carlos Dunlap, out of curiosity, Dave, I have a question for you. Yeah. Does not having Bobby Wagner or your regular starting middle linebacker out there change anything outside of like calls, I know, for like defensive ends or defensive linemen? How might it be different for them? Yeah, you know, the the NFL, I mean, it's going to be weird without Bobby, obviously. He's different. Um, but, you know, there's been a lot of changeover, you know, as far as uh, guys that have been here, you know, three, four years. The other thing is you just get so used to the next guy up. And I know, you know, for us, we're like, oh, geez, the backup's got to play this game. When you're in the locker room, you're like, yeah, I've seen this guy play a million times. He's he's a good player, you know, and he's go, let's go, let's go with the second guy, get the next best guy in there. And that's, that came from Chuck. I won't say the term that he used to use, but he used to say, (laughs) get the next bleep and bleep in there, you know? And that was kind of like a, a, you know, his way of saying, it's not a big deal. Okay. We, we, everybody's practice. We all know the scheme, everything. Second, second guy going in. Okay, let's go. Let's get it done. Uh, Jake, when you're looking at uh, just the performance from Carlos Dunlap, I'm switching gears, but we're going to talk with Carlos Dunlap. It's been very weird, it, like very kind of limited snaps in the middle part of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like, well, maybe the Seahawks are uh, saving his legs a little bit. Maybe they're trying to get younger guys out there. And then when he got more snaps, he had, what, five sacks in two games? Yeah, it, there, there's... <laughs> It's a very unique situation because when you talk about the beginning of the year, I believe they went out there and they thought that, hey, if we can just go back to our traditional way of just rushing four in a traditional sense, we're going to get great production. And that didn't happen. Um, And so once they were not getting that production and you didn't see that same level of play, then you tried to make adjustments and tried to uh, figure out what you can do well and make those adjustments with your defensive front. And um, it just it really limited the ability from a pass rushing perspective to uh, get the best out of the guys that you have. And I believe they went back and gave 
Carlos more opportunity, more run in the second half, and he's responded well to it. And I believe matchups played favorably, and, um, and it's been great to see that level of production. All right, speaking of, Carlos Dunlap joining us right now on the huddle. Carlos, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. We're uh, we're previewing the game and we're looking ahead. And I've got some questions about the Cardinals. But before I do any of that, it's been pretty cool to see you uh, kind of increase production as you've gotten more snap counts. Is is it something that you felt like you were getting healthier, or that you felt like you just needed the opportunities? Uh, I I just feel like I've been seizing the opportunities. Really, um, starting to come together, and us as a collective have been playing. You know, better football this late half of the season. So, yeah, you know, Carlos, I was looking at like, uh, you know, you had the Washington game, four snaps, seven snaps against San Francisco, but man, you got a sack, a pass defense. I mean, just uh, can you remember anything specifically that that kind of clicked for you or or in this defense or because the production for you has been, uh, you know, really good lately? Um, I think. What game was that, Washington, or whichever game it was that uh, had a lot of production and very little snaps? So, yeah. you know, uh, in, in in their opportunity, I mean, in their perspective, they they reopened, like, let's give them more snaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, and, <laughs> okay. with more sna- and with more snaps, more production. So, yeah. I, I yeah. feel like they go hand in hand. Yeah. It's a lot easier to get in rhythm when you can get in rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's no doubt about that, Carlos. And and this is you. You are no stranger to that, as you have played for a long time in this league and has had so much production over the course of your career. What was that like? You know, as I watched the film and watched the evolution of the defense over time, over the year. You guys have done a lot of different things with your defensive fronts, and and you have specifically talked about you know some of the new things that you've been asked to do, the new role that you've been you've been playing. You feel like you've been getting a chance to get back to more of the type of player and the type of role uh, that that you've always been uh, in your career in Cincinnati and last year. Uh, absolutely, the majority of my production has came in situations and scenarios when I'm on the edge doing what I've done my whole career um, versus you know early in in the uh, season. You know we were mixing up different looks because we had a bunch of. Uh, guys, and you know, we're trying to find roles and positions for everybody. But you know, as the season um, settled in, you know, they started, they they got a better understanding of, you know, what we were good at, and they started playing to players' strengths. And with that, you see my strengths shine through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Carlos, how excited are you to have one more opportunity to continue to keep showing that through? You know, film is is your resume, right? It's everybody's resume out there, and and you've been really, you know, uh, adding a lot to the resume that you have, the tremendous resume that you already have. Um, you know, in the last, you know, however many games, four or five games in, in particular. Uh, how much are you looking forward to doing that against a really good team against the Arizona Cardinals? Um, and I know it's not any implications for playoffs for you guys, unfortunately, but certainly one opportunity to uh, get after a, a really good opponent, a really good team. Yeah, for me, this is just this is not just another opportunity. This is, you know, the last opportunity. So this for me is my Super Bowl. So, you know, I really want to um, get after these boys. They're they're a division of opponent, um, and they're a really good football team. So, you know, we haven't played our best football all year, and that's clearly why we're out of the playoffs. But we got an opportunity to play a really good football team one last time and for the last game of the season. So 
I want to, you know, uh, last week was our, our first. I mean, it was our last uh, home game of 21 season and the first home game of the 22 season. So here we got our first really good opponent in 22, and you get to see how we stake up against them and their arrival. So, so you got all kind of stakes and storylines, whatever you want to spin it, however you guys spin it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're we're just looking forward to the opportunity to play a a division opponent, um, and we're going to give it our all. Hey, Carlos, everyone always talks about how frustrating it can be to play Kyler Murray. Who's the best quarterback you've ever faced? Well, obviously, it's clear the man in the arena is Tom Brady. Uh, But I was fortunate enough to, you know, get Tom Brady, to get Peyton Manning, and to get Aaron Rodgers. Um, I didn't get a chance to get Vic. Uh, I got him in the preseason, you know, but – there's a lot of really great quarterbacks out there, but uh, the guys who really take over the game, you know, that's the man in the arena. So you've it, sacked you... Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Peyton Manning. Yes. No big deal. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah, yeah. very I got, chill. I, I've been keep. I've been. You know, at this point in my career, I went back and tallied up my resume. I think I have. Uh, uh, Was it eighty? 84 sacks and 52 different quarterbacks or something like that, I think they said. Something like that. I think it's like 58 or 59, actually. Um, (laughs) Carlos, did you see this thing over the weekend where the kid picked off Tom Brady and then came and asked him for an autograph? I know. I know. That was awkward. That was awkward, but that was, you know, paying homage. That was paying homage. I'm glad Brady, you know, uh, signed it for him and was respectable to to do it for it. That just speaks to the type of person Brady was, but that had to been awkward. Like, I don't yeah. want to I don't want to uh, glorify one of my mistakes, but at the end of the day, you know, Tom Brady has done a lot of great things in his career. So, for a young player to you know, who probably was a kid when Tom Brady started winning Super Bowls, to get to the league and to get a pick on him, that's a really big deal to him and. It's, it's really cool to see that Tom Brady was present enough to acknowledge that and to sign that for him. But uh, it's a good thing he put his stamp. Uh, he's not going to do that frequently because he would have opened a whole can of worms on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he said that's yeah. the last one. I'm not doing that First anymore. and only. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah. He, had, he had to. Otherwise, you know, it's not the last pick he's going to throw. So you, you don't want everybody uh, coming running over there and doing that. And you don't want, you don't want to start that. So. Um, you know, the value goes up on that ball that he got. Carlos, real quick, I saw that you had a chance to sit down and actually took the time to sit down and watch uh, a movie that Russell Wilson was an executive producer for, National Champions. You said you were going to have your review. What's the word? It was a very suspenseful movie. It was um, very insightful to what's going on in the league. And, I mean, well, that process of what happens with college football but uh, you get to see the different ebbs and flows and, you know, the power that the game has and the players have and, and, and some of the stats that the, that the kid was bringing up, I, I wasn't aware of and I didn't think about. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's a real thing. You know, college, there's a lot of college football players who, who play college football at a high enough level that they bring these colleges, you know, fortunes of money and then, they're back at home in their hometown looking for a job and, you know, trying to figure out 
where they're going to get their medical insurance and all those type of things too, you know. Uh, you know, same things with the league, with the former players. But, you know, think about the college. They really don't have no – no. they don't have no 401K. They don't have – the clubs aren't contributing to that, all that type of stuff. I was like, man, I didn't even think about some of those things in that perspective. And here I am telling the whole movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. It's it's a we could have this yeah. conversation endlessly. We're up against the clock. We have to let you go. You're busy, but yeah. but we do appreciate the time, man. And good luck this weekend. Yeah. Sorry to whoever wants to watch the movie. Hopefully, I didn't spoil it. Still watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Carlos. Carlos. All right. Uh, Hour two here. We're going to talk to Ray Roberts, Steve Rabel. Lots of good stuff coming up. Don't go anywhere. This is The Huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Let's go in the trenches with Ray Roberts. Ray, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Uh, We are well. Seahawks got good news and bad news today. Safety Ryan Neal placed on the COVID list, but guard Damian Lewis and cornerback Sidney Jones do come back. Let's focus on Damian Lewis because, Ray, this offensive line, not only is it banged up, but a couple guys dealing with illness yesterday. I am very nervous for this game against Arizona when it comes to the health of the O-line. How about you? Yeah, just a little bit, you know, and Damian Lewis has been a guy that's been in and out of the the lineup all year, whether it's, you know, COVID-related or just, you know, uh, injury-related, and he hasn't quite really gotten into his groove uh, the way that we thought he would be, that that he would this year. And so, uh, you know, with with the moving parts in and out, Brendan Shell in and out, Gabe Jackson has missed his time, uh, all those different kinds of things. Uh, But the last few weeks, they've been able to muster up you know, whatever it takes to create a good running game and protect Russell in the way that uh, that the team has played well on offense. Uh, who stood out to you, Ray? I was like, I wrote down as I was watching the run game, and I was like, yeah, I got a little asterisk there. The ask Ray. Uh, it I looked like Phil Haynes played well. I thought Ethan Posick is. It looks like he's playing some of his best football, but. Uh, Jake Curran, also, I mean, an undrafted free agent rookie, pretty amazing, although he's going to be in for a pretty tall uh, <laughs> tall order this weekend. Yeah, I was really impressed with Phil Haynes uh, just because, I mean, it's been waiting for a long time to see him. You know, when, yeah. he, when he came out of college, you know, I thought he was uh, like a more athletic uh, kind of DJ Fluker type dude who could just be a big, strong dude that mauls people, but he had a little bit better technique, but he's just been so beat up and haven't had an opportunity to play. And so it was really good to see him uh, come in. And the thing I like about him is his technique was really good, like the footwork. Like a lot of people say, like, oh, man, this guy made a great block, but they have no idea how the block actually came to be great. And so uh, just watching his footwork and his hand placement, his pad level uh, has been awesome. But but Jake Curran has been the dude that has really impressed me the most, and not because he's the most gifted athletic you know, technical uh, offensive lineman in the history of the world, but the dude just has grit. He just he he gets in. He does. He plays the dirty. He does the dirty work. Uh, he he battles the entire time. He finds a way to keep himself against you know more athletic pass rushers. And then in the run game, I love the way that he mauls the dudes in front of him, but he can also get up to the second level and maintain blocks long enough to create creases for the running back. So uh, I've, I've been really impressed with him just from a pure football player mm-hmm. perspective. Now, if you wanted me to you know match up his technique and skill and all that to other people, it, it probably won't match up. But just yeah. from just Jake, the football player, love him. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And that's the thing is, look, in this situation where it's next man up, you're, you're, beggars can't be choosers. And the thing that Curran's bringing to you, he's bringing a ton of effort and, like you said, a ton of grit. And he is moving people, right? He's he's helping, you know, as you've said before to us, Ray, you know, that six-inch battle, you know, Jake is definitely helping. Jake Curran is, is helping win that battle on a consistent basis. Now, Ray, what have you seen, not just from an ind- individual perspective from the offensive line, but as a unit? I mean, they they not only are doing a good job, you know, working together, but they seem to be opening just enough holes for Rashad Penny to where he's hitting the hole pretty confidently and trusting this group. Yeah, and it's, it's unfortunate that it's taken this long uh, for this offensive line to perform this way. But, you know, as I went back and watched the, the film of, of last week, the one thing that I really did notice is that when you're running the zone schemes, the double teams are unbelievably important. And mm-hmm. the person who has to set the – usually it's the if you're running to the right, it's going to be the guard setting the double team, you know, with the center or uh, or then sometimes, you know, you have the, the, the tackle and the, and the guard uh, on the backside. But the footwork that it takes to get your shoulders at the right angle – to get your uh, leverage at the at the right spot, so that you can then work up to the second level, has been as best as I've seen it here in a long, long time over the last two or three weeks. The guards are doing a great job of getting uh, turning the shoulders of the defender versus having their shoulders turned. I wish I could show it to you on film, but it's basically like I can I'm see there, it. I'm seeing you see do it, it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like you want to you want to take the defender and open his shoulder up like you're opening the door, right. and then that allows the, the the second person in on the double team. It allows them to get in and take over the double team, and then you can kind of slot up to the next level. If the yeah. guard has his shoulder opened up like a door, then they split the double team. You tend to not get any movement, and then they stop the running play. And so that has been uh, the best I've seen it around here in a long time especially in this last game. Uh, so they, they were able to get those double teams to create those creases to get uh, Penny to the second level. And then Penny's been running through arm tackles. The tackles have been getting up to the next level. Phil, you know, Phil Haynes had a couple of good blocks where he got up to the second level. And that's what really opens up the running game is when you're able to do that. Ray, so, I mean, this may be – I want to focus on the good here, but at the same time, I also am curious to get your perspective on this. They are working better together. Um, things seem to be clicking right now. How much of it do you see is this group, you know, is just trying to finish the season strong, and how much of this group can you maintain and keep together going, in, going into next year and, you know, legitimately getting that production, you know, for a full 17-week season? Yeah, I, I, I honestly, like, you know me, Jake, I've always defended the offensive line and the different guys they have up there and, um, and whatever processes he also have gone through to get them, to get them there. But I don't think that this, the offensive line that's going to finish the year is going to be the line that starts the, the year next year. I, I think there's probably going to be, uh, some movement at center and even as well as Jake is playing at, at right tackle, uh, I think they still need to bring in uh, uh, an upgrade opportunity to create some competition at that spot because he does have some limitations. Uh, but and so I, I think though that you know coming down the stretch here, um, you know your back is against the wall. You have nothing else to do but come out and try to play as best you can. And uh, and they just have seemed to find a rhythm. And I'll keep saying it over and over and over and over that Rashad Penny has really energized. 
the, the offensive line and the offense in a way that nobody saw coming. And I think the way that he's run the ball, the way he's you know, finished run strong, the way he's picked up blitz, picked up, all those different kind of things. I've said it for two or three weeks now that if you watch when he scores a touchdown, every single person from the offense is in the in the end zone tapping him on the helmet. Like sometimes, yeah. I'm not going to lie, Barry Sanders scored a touchdown, I'm going to the sideline. I'm going right to the oxygen machine. <laughs> well, it's because he was I'm 80 yards tired. away, right? I mean, you can't run 80 <laughs> oh, yards. Man. And it's not, it is not because I don't want to celebrate. It's just like, dude, I'm yeah. dog tired, and I'm going to sit my big butt down. I'll see you on the and, bench. Uh, but if you watch, well, you watch Penny, Every single dude, the tight ends, the receivers, the quarterback, all the offensive linemen, they're all down there patting on the helmet. And I think that that has energized the offensive line in a way that they, like I said before, they just grit a little longer. They strain a little bit harder. They finish a little bit uh, uh, with a little bit more intensity. And you can see uh, them open up the lanes for the, for the running game. All right, that was In the Trenches with Ray Roberts. Uh, you can hear Ray on the Seahawks pre- and post-game show this Sunday. Ray, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. Thanks. Uh, I've enjoyed it all year and uh, looking forward to keeping it going. Same. We can't thanks, wait for Ray. next year. Thanks, Ray. All right. all right, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, joins us next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us now, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Rabes, how's it going? going great guys how are you uh we're well i mean kind of sad we're getting ready for the season finale here and there is no postseason it's the last time that we'll watch the seahawks take the field this season the last time we'll talk to you and john boyle and ray roberts and uh, it's a bummer although uh if i'm talking about what you're maybe still looking forward to still getting excited about to see in this one what would you say well, to see if the if if all the things that we saw in the last couple of weeks, albeit against some lesser opponents, but certainly the the way the Seahawks offensively have run the football, uh, offensive line has played well. Um, if those kind of things continue against a really good team, against a playoff team, against arguably one of the best teams in uh, in the NFC West. Then, then we know we've got some some things to build on for next season. Um, you know, I'd like to see the defense get off the field. Uh, th- this is a tough offense uh, to play against. They've got a lot of weapons. They can run. They can throw. And of course, Kyler Murray is a is a video game out there. Um, but you know, all those things we'd like to see in this in this final game. And I think it'll give us a sense for kind of how it's not going to be a rebuild, I don't think, but a retool might happen uh, during the offseason. Well, speaking of that, Ray, just talk about uh, a little bit about what Bobby Wagner means. And I'm not trying to eulogize him or anything, because, look, he could be back <laughs> next year. You don't know. But, um, you know, we, we don't know if he's going to play this weekend. So uh, what do you think, first of all, as far as, you know, him playing this weekend and, you know, just a little brief uh, synopsis of what Bobby has meant to this team? Yeah, well, I, I, I would love to, to say that, uh, hey, as he has said, listen, I'm going to do everything I can do to get out there and play. And we know he will, um, short of, you know, living in a hyperbaric chamber and, and having a full medical staff at his place 24-7. Uh, I think he'll do everything he can do to get out there. It's going to be tough uh, if, if the reports are to be believed that he sprained his MCL and his PCL. They, you know, the, the team hasn't actually come out and said anything like that, but it's going to be difficult for him to get back there and play. And all that said, it is kind of sad that, you know, we don't get a chance to see him in one final game. Uh, 
It is, though, Dave, as you know, and as anybody who follows this game knows, how sudden things can change and how quickly your career, if not for the season or maybe your entire career, can end on a note that you don't want it to end on, but sometimes you just don't have any choice. I prefer to think that Bobby Wagner will find a way to be back next year, whether it's financially or whatever, but he can find a way to be back and play with this team and, and help them get back to the playoffs because he has been such a just such a terrific football player over the last decade. Ribs, I'd love to talk about how the Seahawks could end on a positive note. I mean, the two people, there's, there's a lot of players that you look at and say, man, this game means a heck of a lot for them in terms of what 2022 could mean for the Seattle Seahawks. But how big would it be to see players like Rashad Penny and Russell Wilson end the season strongly? Oh, I, I, think, it, I think it means everything. I think oftentimes it's that last impression that you have that carries you over. We always used to talk about, you know, that last game of the season. And um, early on in my career, we didn't win many games. So you were just trying to win anything. But especially that last game, even if you were out of it, there's just something about winning that last game to to send you to the offseason with a good taste in your mouth. All the fans, you know, I was so happy for the 12s last week to see the, the most explosive offensive performance for this team uh, all season long, and that was the final home game. Yeah, I know, against the Lions, I get it, but it's that Lions team who beat the Arizona Cardinals just a few weeks ago. So, you know, anybody can step up on any given week. We play well in Arizona. Russell plays well in Arizona. uh, And Rashad, we haven't seen enough of down in the desert until we have this opportunity this week. I think if these guys can get out on top, can make some plays, uh, I think we got a really good chance of uh, winning some football game, of now, winning the football game down. Now, assuming that Rashad Penny just has like an average day, let's just assume that he finishes the day without getting hurt. It seems even then that just given the performance he's had in, in this past month, you'd want to bring him back. Uh, you know, I have absolutely no vote in it, but I would. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Steve, will and, you and, please bring Rashad Penny back? <laughs> <laughs> if, if John calls me, I will, okay. um, I, I will be sure to give him my opinion, Perfect. although I'm sure he couldn't care less what I think. But uh, <laughs> I, I think he has proven that he definitely is that kind of running back that can help carry this football team. Now, do you need help around him? Absolutely. Here's something, and I was going to ask Pete this later on today, but I'll just throw it out there now. You know, Alex Collins went on IR this week. And I granted, they didn't win a lot of games in that whole period of time when Russ was hurt and and Chris got hurt and Alex was in there gutting it out with an abdominal injury that's probably going to mean he'll have some off-season surgery too. But what an unsung hero that guy is going in there and playing hurt for the, the you know, the last half of the season. Um, but the the team will need some help at that position. No guarantee that Chris Carson is ever going to play again. I'd love it if those two guys could come back, Rashad and Chris, what a one-two punch. But we hope that going into this season, and it didn't work out that way till these last five uh, when Rashad's been healthy. So I would say absolutely keep him. Now, you know, you can't give him everything he wants probably, but uh, the Seahawks have some spending money. They've got some cash in their pocket. They'll be able to pay him some money to uh, to stick around and, uh, and, and be the kind of player that I know John drafted and Pete wanted back in uh, four years ago when they, when they brought him on as a first-round pick. 
right, Rebel, I got an important question for you here. And and keep it All clean, right. okay, because I know off the radio you're like a sailor. Uh, I'm sorry to, for, to the, all the yeah. sailors, uh, but sure. w- what do you think Adrian Peterson said to Rashad Penny in a sentence? You know, that's a, it's a it's a great question, and and I don't know if if it's as much that he said things specifically, or if it's the example that he set that. You know, here's a guy who, what, what is Peterson in the league? 14, 15 years, something like that. Yeah. Um, Just... You know, that kind of career. And there he was out there practicing like uh, a rookie trying to make the club and just sort of set the tempo for everybody in that running back room. His, his sense of coming in and wanting to learn instantly so that he can contribute, which he did, scored a touchdown in his only uh, action with the team earlier this year when they really needed him. Uh, I, I think he probably gave him some hints on how do you how do you succeed in this league as a running back? How do you keep yourself healthy and all those things? And maybe most importantly, how do you go out there and say I'm going to take over this game? I'm going to be the tougher of the two of us when I come meeting a linebacker in that uh, at that line of scrimmage. Here's what you do. Here's what you think. Here's how you have to comport yourself. Here's how you prepare. Uh, and then, hey, don't let a couple of little injuries, nagging yes. injuries, slow yeah. you down. Go out there and show them what you can do. I think probably he said a little bit of all that. Yeah, I think to me that was one I was talking earlier about. Dwayne Brown told us one time, I don't want my head to know what my body is feeling. <laughs> and, you know, it's the same type of thing. Like, you have to play hurt. And Adrian Peterson, I think of him, Frank Gore, those are the those are guys that are just tough guys, man. They have just endured so much, and and that's a that's a tough uh, position. I mean, everybody, you have the ball in your hand. Everybody's trying to kill you, you know. So that yeah. that that to me, I think is probably uh, that that's my vote anyway. That that he just said, yeah. hey, man, you got to play through some of these little little problems that you're having physically. Yeah, and it, and it can't be a false bravado or anything like that to, to piggyback on what Dwayne said. You know, your, your mouth can't write a check that your butt can't cash. So <laughs> you need to go out there and, and you got to back it up when, when you say this is what I'm going to do. And I think, I really think what I've seen in the last five weeks, he can. All right. He is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel Raves, as always, and especially today on our final huddle. Thank you for joining us. It's always a blast. And uh, everyone listening, you can hear Rabel and Wyman on the call for the Seahawks broadcast this Sunday. Thanks, Raves. Wait, wait a minute. You're not going to bring me back every week just to talk? I mean, yeah, I would like love that. I mean, you're more than welcome. Okay. Wyman won't be no, there, maybe, but no, I, your guys aren't going to pay me, so no thanks. But uh, <laughs> thank you. I mean, oh, <laughs> see, he's a paycheck player. That's what it is. A paycheck That's right. player. Only here for the I, money. I, I have really enjoyed. Honest to goodness, I have really enjoyed it. It's been fun, and and uh, thank you, thank you guys for for uh, making it easy. <laughs> thanks, Rave. See, see you Sunday. All right. Uh, We're going to take a step over enemy lines and talk to Josh Weinfuss, who's the ESPN Cardinals reporter, and then we'll be uh, back with our final thoughts to wrap things up. Don't go anywhere. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross joining us now of ESPN. It's Josh Weinfuss covering the Cardinals. Josh, how's it going? I am great. Thanks for having me. Of course. I mean, I'm going to actually start uh, at the end of the season. I have questions to get to about uh, the Cardinals' three-game skid, but one of the biggest critiques, as you know and as you've levied, uh, about Cliff Kingsbury is that he just can't finish. Does it 
feel like he's done that with, with their win over Dallas, or is there still more to prove? I mean, one game I don't think will will change that stat or change that notion. Um, I, I, here's the thing about the Cowboys game is that the Cowboys played really bad. So everyone who, you know, all these Cardinals fans are trying to tell me that, oh, they're back, they're, and, you know, it's over, that skid's over, they're not who they were. Well, when you beat a team that played terrible, you can't really gauge a ton from that. So to me, if they go out and they just demolish the Seahawks on Sunday – to me, that'll be a sign that they're going into the playoffs on, on a good note. But if they if they struggle against Seattle or if they lose, then I think it's pretty safe to say they still have those issues. That was just a, I mean, I think it's kind of the, the opposite of what conventional thinking would be. That win was an anomaly because of how well they played compared to how poorly they you know potentially could play. Uh, you know, it, it is one of those unique aspects of it because what what is the pulse from a, a, a fan and media perspective about Cliff Kingsbury? We talked about this last time we had you on, and you gave us a very unique answer at the time. You guys were rolling. You guys were at the top, and, and there's still some questions about how the second half was going to go. Obviously, there was good reason for that, but are, are people still, you know, confident in Cliff Kingsbury and that he is he's the guy for the job? It's such a weird situation, right? Because this team's eleven and five. Well, and by any standard, that's a great record. I think most times people will be really excited about eleven and five record, especially here in Arizona. But you know, you lose what? It, so it was three out of the last eight. So now it's what three? Or they won't. It's four out of their last nine is what they've won, right? I think. I think that's the stat. So you 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 feel good that you're eleven and five and you're in the playoffs for the first time in six years. But then you look at what happened recently, and you're like, well, it could have been way better. So there's this kind of weird juxtaposition where, where fans are like, on one side, on one hand, this is great. On the other hand, it's kind of like what just happened in the last two months. So with Cliff Kingsbury, I, I think what people are starting to, to kind of contemplate is what's his ceiling? And has he hit that ceiling in his last three years? Well, maybe every year of his coaching career, but especially in the last few years here, right? Sure, they're in the playoffs, but they went from the number one overall season in the NFC to being the leader in the NFC West basically all season to now you're a five seed on the road in the playoffs, which for them isn't terrible because they're they're not very good at home and they're quite good on the road. But it's kind of you, you got to step back, take a step back and look at the big picture. Like, what if they get bounced in the first round? Mm. At what point do you have to say, okay, this is obviously a trend. We need to we need to figure out what we're going to do because he doesn't really coach a defense. He doesn't really coach the running game. He is a passing game and quarterbacks coach is really what it comes down to. Is that the type of guy that we need to run our organization? I think that's a question that owner Michael Bidwell needs to ask himself because, sure, they got the 11 wins. Sure, they got to the playoffs. But this year could have been so much better, just like last year could have been so much better. So how many years are they going to, I guess, tolerate or accept? It could have been so much better as kind of what they're, you know, what they're, when, when they look back on the season and, and, and you do your postseason review, if that's the title of it every year, how much longer can that last? I feel like that sentiment I hear from a lot of people, that idea that like, look, Cliff Kingsbury is good at X, Y, and Z, but is he the guy? Which leads me to think that there's just moments that make you want to pull your hair out. What are some of those maybe more common moments? Game management, um, play calling. I mean, there are times when, you know, they'll be in the red zone, they throw the ball three straight times, and you have a guy like James Conner or Chase Edmonds who can get you two, three yards a a carry and get into the end zone in in two plays instead of trying to go for that back shoulder fade to a guy who's 5'11", right? It's just – 
there are decisions like that with this. I think everyone who's watching games, media and, 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 and fans alike, you kind of scratch your head and you're kind of thinking, what's going on down there, right? And then, you know, they might settle for a field goal. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, you could have had a touchdown if you just would have run, you know, basically a, a, a typical NFL offense, but you're trying to do something else. And then it, 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 it you know, you, you end up with, with, with three points out of seven. Um, a lot of penalties, right? Cliff Kingsbury had highly penalized teams his entire career. So I think when that starts to happen, I mean, when you start seeing, you know, false starts consistently, you have to take a step back and think, why are these happening? Is it that Cliff Kingsbury's teams are not disciplined enough? Which, you know, w- one year might be, you know, eh, it, it was an off year. But when you go back and you look back to Texas Tech, and then you look at Arizona, I mean, they led the, the league in penalty last year. They're always among the top five highest teams in the country at Texas Tech. This is a trend, and I think it's safe to say that Cliff Kingsbury's teams are not disciplined enough. So I think there's you know some major issues that need to be addressed. And this team thought that they had addressed those this offseason, right? Cliff, or Kyler Murray was extremely frustrated with how last year ended, and he went into this offseason saying, we need to do the small things better if we're going to be a team that's going to compete in this league. And they were doing those for seven games, and they stopped doing them, and then we saw what happened. Yeah, this is this is fascinating. <laughs> this is incredibly fascinating because the, the, you look at the roster that Arizona has, and it, it is incredible. And you see some of the moves that was that were made uh, over the off season um, by Kime, and, and it worked out tremendously well for this team. And they still have the ability to do some damage in the playoffs. There's no doubt if they can get back on the right track of what they were doing earlier on in the season. How much of it also is due to injury, Josh? Because we, we also know that the Arizona Cardinals have been, unfortunately, been bitten by the injury bug the last few weeks. Yeah, I think I think there's one injury in particular that really uh, we people have to take in consideration when they take like, kind of the big-picture view of the season, and that's DeAndre Hopkins. If you take him out of the equation offensively, well – you know, it changes everything, really. You know, he, he was he was the isolated receiver to one side of Kyler Murray the whole season, essentially. You take that that piece out, well, a defense now has to – they don't have to decide who they're going to cover. They know they don't need to cover – or they don't need to double or, or bracket or roll the coverage over to the single receiver. They need to watch out for A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore. And – it, it, it changes the complexion of the offense. It changes the complexion of the defense. It changes the complexion of what the Cardinals can do and, and will do. Um, and I think that's kind of been the biggest issue. Obviously, on defense, you lose J.J. Watt early in the season. And then you, you – I thought they were going to be – until other injuries started hitting the defensive front. And then once those guys started going down, you started seeing where J.J. Watt's absence was an issue. Um, but for, for the most part, I think the one, the one issue, the one injury, you know, take more seriously than all others is Hopkins. But, you know, the one thing that I also I think is fascinating is this offense can turn it on in like two seconds, right? Like they can go down the field in 45 seconds and score a touchdown in like three plays. And you're just like, well, where is this offense all the time, right? And and then they might go three and out, 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 three and out do it again. Yeah. And you're kind of like, they weren't doing that early in the season. So I think if, if this team wants to get on a roll, they need to obviously pick it up against Seattle. But once they get to the playoffs, if they can play like they did in those first seven games, I will say this. They are going to be very tough to beat. There's no doubt about it. They have the talent. They have the skill. The question is, will they do 
All right, very last question here. Don't be afraid to, to be to tough with us, rip the Band-Aid off. What kind of game like do you NBA. see on Sunday? I mean, you could talk, I mean, in the break, I think it's going to be a tough game. I really do. I, I think, you could ask uh, at least for a little bit, maybe for the first half, I think Seattle's going to come out with this mentality of we have nothing to lose. Our last game was Russell is going to probably want to finally show that he's – I mean, he, he beat up on Detroit, but that's – Granted, they did beat the Cardinals, but still Detroit. You know, I think he's going to want to show that he can still play. Obviously, it's all the rumors circulating about whether he's going to be on the team next year. I think he's going to want to have a, a great game. Obviously, he wants to play well every game, but he, he's going to want to have a great game against, against these guys. And these, the, these games typically are. So I think it's going to be a good game because it's two NFC West rivals. Um, the Cardinals are going to be playing because if the Rams lose, they win the NFC West. And that's added incentive for the Seahawks. So I think it's going to kind of be a bloodbath for the first half. And then after that, honestly, it's going to be a crapshoot. Like, which teams come out of that locker room, you know, fired up? I don't know. Like, it's going to be that the Cardinals are going to take off with this and just fly away, or it's going to be a, gruel, you know, a, a grueling game right. up until triple zeros, and the Seahawks could win. All right. He is Josh Weinfuss of ESPN. Make sure you're reading his coverage of the Cardinals at ESPN.com. And, Josh, this is our second time this season talking uh, with you. It's always a blast. I hope we can get you in the offseason for some good NFC West previews. Let's do it. I always enjoy it. All right. Wrapping up the final huddle with our final thoughts. It's coming your way next. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rostin. Guys, it's the final huddle of the season. The Seahawks are out of the postseason. You all knew that. And this is their regular season finale against the Cardinals. It's a game on Sunday, 125. Dave Wyman going to be on the Seahawks broadcast with Steve Rabel, who we spoke to earlier in the show. Uh, guys, let's start with um, an easy starting point for for jumping off into our final, final kind of final thoughts here, wrapping up. Just the keys to a win. It's what everyone wants. It's what the Seahawks want. It's what their fans want. Dave, I'll start with you. Yeah, I would say uh, the pass rush on, on Kyler Murray. He has not been sacked a lot. 26 times. I saw Joe Burrow has been sacked 51. Unreal. And what, Jake, is Russ like 31, 32, something like that, I think. Yeah, somewhere so, in that range, yep. Yeah, so I think, you know, getting those guys going. You know, we talked to two, two guys that can affect that. Kerry Hyder and Carlos Dunlap and really interesting with Carlos Dunlap and the things that he was saying but um, yeah I think getting after him I know that's just kind of the easy answer but I feel like if you can contain him he's been pretty accurate you know I was looking at his first three years Jake uh, compared to Russ first of all as far as winning goes Russ has got a 750 win percentage which is 12 games in the 16 game season and you know Kyler Murray's like 22, 22, and 1. Um, the other thing is this, just their development is, is much different because when you're the number one pick of the entire draft, uh, you get more resources, more attention, and Russ was the number 75 pick. So, you know, it wasn't like they were going to feature him. So, it's uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I still think there's question marks. Josh Weinfuss, geez, I was he didn't That's sound a good very, interview, though. I know, Josh is but great. Uh, he was letting it all hang yep, out there with yep. Kings, Kingsbury. And, you know, I know Clayton has told us he thought that he would be in trouble if he didn't make the playoffs. So, you know, with him and Kyler Murray, Jake, I, I think both of those guys, there's still a question mark. Like, I feel like they need to win in the playoffs. Oh, they certainly do. And in this game against Seattle is very very important to them i mean make no mistake about it it is not something that they're walking into and going oh here's the lowly seahawks this is a game it was a huge win for them against dallas that they needed it was an emotional win almost kind of like a collective sigh of relief now they're going into this game against seattle and saying okay 
can we build something, some positive momentum going into the playoffs? And if we can do so, maybe we can do some damage. Maybe we can play more like the team we were in the first half of the season than anything else, and they'll get DeAndre Hopkins back for the playoffs, and um, at least that's the word, that's the hope. So you see how they can want, they can try to build that for the Seahawks in order to you know, be spoiler and to play spoiler and to win in their own building to cap off a disappointing season on a high note. You have to be able to, Dave, I 100% agree with you in terms of rushing the passer and being able to affect Kyler Murray because he has made poor decisions through the month of December. You have to get the run game going and have to get Russell Wilson in rhythm and in order for you to have the best chance to win. I, With the news to Ryan Neal, I really feel like if they can't get a pass rush, the Arizona Cardinals are going to put up points. They are going to be able to light up the scoreboard. And the and yeah. the Seahawks offense has to be able to control the time of possession. They have to be able to stay on the field. They have to be able to put up points if they want any chance of winning this game. And so it really comes down to Rashad Penny, Russell Wilson, those two guys, how they play, what their what their night looks like at the end of it all, I think is going to very much determine uh, how this you know how this game goes. Now, what's interesting is it's possible for uh, your answer, both of you, but Dave, for your answer to be, hey, most important key is get the pass rush going, contain Kyler Murray, and also possible that the answer to the question, which player are you watching most closely, is someone entirely different. But is that the case for you, Dave? It's a question for both of you. Who, who I'm looking at? Yeah, just which player yeah. you are watching most closely in this one? Well, I know Rashad Penny is probably going to be the popular answer yeah. because, you know, if he can continue. I feel like we've been, hey, prove it for like the last couple of weeks. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, he's probably going, what do you guys want? You know, I ran for you want 300 yards. <laughs> yeah, I went 300 yards over the last two games. Yeah. But um, I'll tell you what, how about this one? Rasheem Green, whose contract is up, he's also okay. tied for the lead as far as um, sacks go. And I, I always bring this up to him. He had an open field sack on Kyler Murray. I want to say it was his rookie. No, it was 2019. And uh, I remember he was one-on-one -on -one with him. He got, actually got the sack. But I remember thinking, oh, man, Rasheem's got no chance. And he has been such a great Nice player. I mean, I feel like this is this defense has really benefited more the inside guys than it has you know the guys coming off the edge, as we heard from from Carlos Dunlap. So, you know, I, I I'd say keep an eye on him, and he he might be one of those guys that that comes up with. Uh, when I asked him about the sack, he goes, "Yeah, he tried to give me some bleep and limp leg move or something like that." <laughs> Didn't fall for I, I it. <laughs> we, we had to bleep it out, but uh, I liked his. Uh, disdain for Kyler Murray and his moves. Something tells me that you, Dave, would appreciate any disdain for quarterbacks from another group of <laughs> yeah. players. Or well, kickers. Or kickers. Jake, what true. about you? Or it's offensive linemen. Yeah. Really the, anyone. The Wide Rasheem, receivers. The Rasheem Green pick is a good one. It's a sneaky good pick. Um, and, and he's been a sneaky good player this year. Hasn't been totally flashy, but you look at his production and go, man, this yeah. guy's had a pretty solid year this year. Um, I, I, I'm going to keep it very obvious. And first and foremost, we talked about Rashad Penny. But for me, it's the offensive line for the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, mm -hmm. Rashad Penny is a good football player, but the offensive line has been playing so much better 
uh, to finish out the year, and they're going to have to put up a great effort against a very active, very talented front seven um, in the Arizona Cardinals. And that is something you're going to have to keep an eye on because if they can play well, it gives Rashad Penny opportunities. It helps Russell Wilson. um, And ultimately, if you can do that and Russell Wilson can get in a rhythm and he can play well, um, to me, that's going to be a huge key to this game uh, is seeing Russell play like Russell. And that is going to be, if you want to go score for score or have to go score for score, uh, you need your quarterback to be playing at a high level. Stacey, how about that intel that Marcus Golden needs two sacks for a million-dollar bonus? This is from Paul Calvisi, who's the sideline reporter for Arizona. And I'm just thinking, man, I would not want to be the guy who was in between that man and his million dollars. Absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. It already like you you know that there's even more incentive to do that. And if you're him, if you're Marcus <laughs> Golden, you already know two sacks. All I need is two sacks, and I have a million dollars. Now it's million one million dollars. It's gonna be one in the <laughs> trenches for sure. And I know that all of us are also gonna be watching Rashad Penny. All right, you guys. Jake, Dave, it is the final huddle. It feels That's very sad. weird to say. It's really sad. You guys, though, I've had a blast. All season long, uh, I always have fun. I know I try to uh, to bring my notes and, and, and keep pace, but you two are amazing analysts. You do a great job, and it helps to have unique perspectives on both sides of the ball when we're talking about this team. Uh, and also, we appreciate all of you guys for tuning in. So thank you to our regular guests as well. Dave, try not to get emotional. Stacey, you're making me, you're, you're making me teary-eyed here. <laughs> all right. You guys, you. you guys do a great job. We thank love you. having uh, you guys lead into our show, and it's really been fun. Good it, job, it's guys. been a blast. I'm going to miss yep. these Thursdays. See Raj too. Shout Same out, here. shout out to Curtis Rogers. Absolutely. And, yeah. And and all of our Seahawks guests. Uh, shout out to Ray Roberts. Shout out to Big Steve Ray. Rabel. Uh, shout out to John Boyle, Boyle for joining yep. us all the time and and just all the Seahawks that have been on with us. We seriously appreciate it. You guys, this is it. Week 18, game 17. It's happening this Sunday, 1:25 p.m. kickoff in Arizona. Stay tuned right here, 710 ESPN Seattle.